0: Aye, bring on the provisions. We be in a feasting mood.
1: All right, break out the ale.
0: Break out the donuts. Break out the leeches.
1: Ew, Jessica.
0: What? Oh, don't worry. The ale will help the donuts go down. That's not what I... (sighs) Warning. Incoming game. Warning.
1: Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch
0: and rewatch
1: the 90s animated series Reboot.
0: I'm Jessica, and I've been a fan for a long time.
1: I'm Ben, and I'm still watching this for the first time. <laughs> Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia,
0: and try to find our
1: frostiest moments.
0: This week, we're so close to home in Mousetrap.
1: You know what I realized today?
0: What did you realize today, Ben?
1: We are not just three quarters of the way through season three. We are three quarters of the way through the series proper.
0: We are.
1: We only got 12 left.
0: We are in the home stretch, both in the show and in our personal experience as podcasters.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're nearly there. Just a couple more months.
0: Yeah. How's it shaping up for you, Ben? Oh, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Has its ups and downs.
0: The podcasting or the show?
1: Both. <laughs> So how was the bachelorette party?
0: It was good. We went to the Finger Lakes. We had some wine. Copious amounts of alcohol. It was was good. (laughs) I got to try an apple cider slushy. That was nice. (laughs) How about you?
1: Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm full of Kung Pao chicken. I uh, made some hot sauce today. That was good.
0: Ooh, yes, I saw. Exciting.
1: (laughs) I've got a couple things coming up uh, over the next week. I've got two live shows I'm going to be attending. I'm going to be going to a They Might Be Giants concert and a Mystery Science Theater 3000 show.
0: Ooh, that sounds like a fun weekend. Yeah,
1: it's like all the same week. It's crazy.
0: All right, are you ready to get mouse trapped? <laughs> You'll get caught up in the
1: mouse trap. <laughs> but yeah, let's do it. All right. <laughs>
0: Today, we're doing season three, episode 12, Mousetrap. It first aired on November 5th, 1997. It was written by Marv Wolfman, the stories by Gavin Blair, Dan DeDio, Len Wine, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Marv Wolfman. And we start off with another sick guitar riff.
1: Yeah, it's like 80s rock intro as the ship sails onward. Everyone on board is drinking and having a good time. There's some bored hula dancers and dial up modem karaoke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the web writers and the pirate crew seem to have completely forgotten how they were murdering each other moments ago, which is good, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
1: like they're all having a good time. The web riders are daring each other to swallow slugs, and one binom tosses a donut into the sleeping mouth of another. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we get a little joke here where Mr. Christopher is obviously off put by these guests. Foul mannered
1: creatures, aren't they?
0: And he gets burped dead in the face. <laughs> And Bob toasts to the crew, the saucy bear. Captain Capacitor toasts to the web writers. And Ray toasts to Matrix and Andrea, who aren't there. Yeah, where are they? Uh, they're canoodling. Ooh. Next to the vomiting guy.
1: Yeah, he's, they're <laughs> about to recreate that scene from Titanic. I'm
0: king of the world! <laughs> but with more vomit. <laughs>
1: yeah. And speaking of vomit, she says again, she's like, what's the matter, lover?
0: What's the matter, lover? Blah! I was having a conversation with friends completely unrelated to this, where they talked about how much they hated when people called each other lover. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like now we know that you have sex. <laughs> That's the entirety of what that pet name means. <laughs> we have sex. <laughs>
1: oh, boy. But yeah, Matrix is finally happy, but he's afraid that Bob won't like him anymore.
0: Yeah, you're kind of an ass. Maybe you should fix that, and then Bob will like you again. <laughs> Just putting that out there. But Andrea urges him to head down to the party and tell Bob how happy he is that Bob is back in his life.
1: Meanwhile, Tracer is now trying his hand at slug swallowing, which impresses everyone until he fucking dies. (laughs) (laughs) But he gets better.
0: I mean, this is kind of a great scene. It, It feels very much like a party. Like, everyone's acting ridiculous and drunk. Yeah. And Ray's just like, gotcha! and everyone's like Oh, that was awesome and one of the web writers claps him on the back which throws him into a newly entering matrix which sets some stuff off
1: he immediately goes back into death blossom mode <laughs> and like he was going back to join the party why did he come packing
0: right his his reaction to being slightly shoved in a very crowded room is to point his gun at someone he knows which would be bad enough but then when ray's new web writer friends try to come to his rescue he starts putting it on them
1: andrea tries to calm him down and everyone like looks at him like dude way to kill the mood seriously and bob for his part isn't angry he's just disappointed
0: that's even worse we all know it's worse
1: <laughs> so enzo runs off crying pants around his ankles
0: <laughs> oh. and andy does the uh no, now i'm copying you i've been yeah. using it. <laughs> andrea does the uh, mom eyes after him <laughs>
1: yeah this is like her first facial acting of the series i think
0: <laughs> and bob's like oh yeah okay i guess I mean, I've only been stuck on horrible terrain forever and haven't been able to take off my mask in the hopes that I would prevent myself from dying, and this is the first time I've had some relief, but I'll go be a dad for a minute, I guess.
1: (laughs) So he does. He goes and finds Enzo, who apologizes, saying he only wanted Bob to be proud of him. And Bob's like, well, I mean, if you're gonna put a gun to my head, then I'm proud, I'm proud. (laughs) Just chill, okay?
0: Bob is pretty understanding here, you know, you you did what you had to do to survive, but now it's time to move forward we got a whole internet to save out there so you know fuck up pal
1: (laughs) matrix stares off he's like i've done questionable things hello darkness my old friend (laughs) and then Enzo's like we're a lost guardian and a renegade and bob just kind of goes oh still calling yourself that huh
0: I guess, if we're using our made up names. <laughs> so we cut straight to them finding Mainframe's web address, which this kind of goes back to the conversation that we had with Zeke when we are interviewing him. The difference between the web and the net, I kind of picture the net address being mainframe.com and the web address being 123.567. Oh,
1: yeah. The IP address?
0: And it sits in a pretty glass ball in front of them, ready to welcome them home. Except that they've sprung a trap.
1: Yes, they're just about to send Tracer out to open a portal, and they get hit by a banger. Some kind of energy trap is blocking them from going forward, and now a whole bunch of sparks are flying, a big blue ball is vibrating where the tear was.
0: The whole ship goes haywire, and Cap orders the ship to shut down, go offline, and then everything goes dark. Except, of course, for Matrix and his magic eye, who can re- give him a report of everything, which is that they're screwed and they're caught like rats in a trap.
1: Matrix blames those damn guardians. Sorry, Bob. Bob's like, no, they might wipe out sectors that have already been infected, but preventing things from invading isn't really their thing.
0: <laughs> it's at this point that Bob remembers that I knew someone who was named after a rodent once. <laughs> Puts the pieces together, and uh, it's Mouse. Now they're really screwed.
1: We might have stood a chance against the Guardians, but Mouse.
0: Yeah, no, they're not getting past that.
1: (laughs) So Everyone's just standing around gawking as the ship continues to get hit, and without power, they're sitting ducks. Maybe we should get out and push. So Capacitor gets the idea to ride the storm itself, letting the ship be carried along by the same energy blasts that are being used to attack it.
0: He tells Matrix he's gonna need his eye. He doesn't actually tell him what the plan is, but uh, surprisingly, Matrix figures it out. (laughs) He gives the signal that the charge is coming, the sails go up, and they sail off into the distance. Everything is fine. We're going home, guys.
1: Yeah, it works. The ship gets pushed right through the bubble, and they're back facing the tear. But without power, they're motionless and can't continue onward. At this point, Bob asks for the ship's schematics to try and look for a resolution, but uh, Enzo grabs them and won't get out of the way to let Bob look at them.
0: I do love the visual gag here of Bob trying to, like, reach over. Like, Enzo doesn't realize that he's a giant hulk of a man.
1: <laughs> he's like, what do you think, Bob? He's like, uh,
0: I can't, can't see past your shoulder. You make a better door than a window, kid. I also love the little slap that Andrea gives him here. Just like, dude, seriously? We've talked about this. <laughs> You're seven feet tall and five feet wide.
1: <laughs> and when he finally does move to let Bob look... Uh, Little sparks start eating away at the ship, including the schematics. The armor starts slowly getting dissolved.
0: By pixels! Darn those pixels. (laughs) They start burning everything they touch. By the code, is there no end to this web madness? Bob orders the web writers outside to fight the pixels, but they can't get outside with the power down.
1: So finally, Enzo becomes useful. Using his brute strength, he holds the door open for the real heroes
0: sun's out guns out
1: (laughs) i like how he's struggling to keep the door open he's like really really holding it and rather than get through as quickly as possible they all decide that this is the best time to start chatting with him
0: (laughs) he's like no yeah keep keep talking guys it's certainly not a gigantic heavy door being sucked into the vacuum of space it's fine (laughs) so uh we we still good for next weekend (laughs) We almost get a moment here between Enzo and Ray, as he tells Ray to stay safe out there. But then he undercuts it with, like, literally, I need you to get home. So if you could just stay alive for, like, at least that long, it'd be cool. (laughs) I mean, afterwards, whatever, but...
1: Yeah. So the web riders start using a spatula to pry off the barnacles, and then Tracer puts shrink wrap around the whole ship.
0: See... In order to keep the burning sensation away, you have to make sure you use protection.
1: (laughs) I almost made that joke, too. (laughs) Well, yeah, so the power comes back on, and luckily the shields took most of the damage, so Andrea can get them moving again. But of course, lest we forget, Mouse was behind this operation, so it can't have been that easy.
0: To be fair, Bob did jinx them. (laughs) They probably would have been fine if Bob hadn't opened his mouth. But... A giant wave comes along, separating surfers, the riders, and the ship, and they lose their latex in the process.
1: Wherever you going, you're on your own. And we wave goodbye to Tracer, our bland-ass saltine cracker of a character.
0: (laughs) Well, goodbye for now. Everyone's freaking out, and Bob's sad because Dot's not there.
1: Andrea says they need a plan, typical female, and Bob prefers not to plan, typical male.
0: Andrea starts to think about the problem. Enzo decides they need to punch the problem with a ship.
1: And Bob finally realizes what I have been shouting at the screen since halfway through this episode. That these security measures by mouse were meant to keep out the web creatures which their ship is covered in.
0: (laughs) Bob orders the shields pulled down. At this point, Enzo decides that it's time for Bob to go to the home. What? (laughs) He puts his hand on his shoulder, Bob. You're tired. Maybe you should go rest. (laughs) I literally died. I was rolling. I was like, and so, geez, he's not like 80. This is the most (laughs)
1: condescending right here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've been gone like two years in real time. Get over yourself.
1: Yeah, so Capacitor is afraid that if they drop the shields, they'll start degrading. And without Tracer, they have no way of
0: opening the portal. Or do they? This is the point where Glitch speaks up and they have a very deep conversation with each other of which we only hear one side.
1: Yeah, Glitch starts hopping up and down like a puppy trying to get Bob's attention and he's arguing with it. He's like, okay, I I guess technically I can do it fine.
0: Bob says a kind of loving goodbye as they merge into one being in a glowing show that awes everyone.
1: We are now one. Yeah, he becomes a Zen master with chainmail crocs. (laughs) He goes Super Saiyan and floats across the ship, bursting the armor off in a blast of light. He's now an unstoppable demigod.
0: He leads the ship towards the tear, summons a fireball, and the tear becomes home.
1: And he rains hellfire upon mainframe. I mean, guides (laughs) the ship into mainframe.
0: At this point we get a voiceover, and this time instead of Matrix being angry, it's Bob. He's a guardian, and he's here to amend and defend.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a sweet ending as he recites the opening monologue from seasons past. Everyone's smiling, looking on in wonder.
0: And the ship sails into mainframe as he yells, Reboot. Reboot!
1: So what'd you think of this one, Jess?
0: I thought this one was interesting. I actually wrote down some talking points here because, again, I feel like we're not seeing a lot of things and i know a lot of that is because they just didn't have the time to delve into them but we're seeing hints of things like we don't get a lot of depth of what bob must be feeling in these moments like bob was living in you know i guess a desert island for (laughs) all Mm -hmm. intents and purposes you know just struggling to survive constantly and like, his friends show up, he thinks, to rescue him, which is great. Except, actually, they're here because they want him to rescue them and save the entire internet from the super virus. <laughs> it's I, like, <laughs> we found you, now come help. <laughs> like, I think we do get to touch on this more in season four, if I remember correctly. But I can imagine, there's a lot of emotions here. He's got a lot of responsibility after just being saved. And it's like... We don't get to see a lot of it. I kind of wish we did.
1: Yeah, I was having a little conversation earlier with one of our listeners. Um, when he pointed out, I was like, oh, well, luckily they found Bob at the right time. I'm like, really? Bob found them. Like, Enzo had nothing to do with finding Bob. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time, both when they met up with Capacitor and Tracer and when the Riders showed up. You know, like he was the one kind of messing things up by steering into the storm and doing all that stuff.
0: True fact. Which leads me to my other thing, which is, does Enzo have PTSD- Like I'm kind of serious here The fact that he walks into a door He knows there's a party He knows there's a bunch of people He can hear them from outside Like laughing and cheering And he gets bumped into when he enters Which is kind of expected in a large crowded room And his first instinct is to pull out a gun
1: Oh my god I didn't mean to I just reacted I couldn't stop myself
0: (laughs) I just feel like and then there's some trauma there that we have not addressed.
1: <laughs> this is also like troubling in 2018, you know?
0: <laughs> it is. It is. Tr- in our current climate, it is troubling. But I do feel like there's legitimate trauma there. And we kind of we joke about how he is a child, which he kind of is in a lot of ways.
1: The a man-child.
0: Yeah, he's, he's stunted. His, his emotional growth has been very stunted. And he, he already is looking to Bob to fix everything. But I feel like there's some legitimate like issues that he has not addressed. Andrea seems to be getting along just fine. <laughs> I don't know how she's dealt with all of it.
1: It's just women are stronger, that's all. <laughs> they can deal with a lot of trauma and stress. She's
0: a lot better at bottling, I guess. I don't
1: <laughs> So yeah, so like I felt okay about this episode. Uh, what I find interesting is, in contrast to last week, where I felt like the episode itself was good, except for the last scene, which fell flat for me. In this case, I feel like I was largely okay with the episode, but the end scene really sold it. Like The, the ending scene saved the whole episode for me this time.
0: The ending scene was very good. There's a lot of emotion in that. And hearing Bob like do the little intro again, and the reboot at the end, and then finally going into mainframe... Like, in such a hopeful note. And, like, you know it's not going to be good when they get there. Like, you saw the title of the next episode.
1: (laughs) No, I did not. But, yeah.
0: You will. It's the end of the
1: disc, so I didn't look ahead. (laughs) Yeah, like, on the one hand, I'm really happy that we're returning to Mainframe after what has literally been months of real time. Uh, We haven't seen Dot, Mouse, Fong, Hack and Slash. Like, all the characters that I actually like. (laughs) I'd even come around to liking Enzo before he aged, you know? (laughs) But... I'm also kind of worried that even though we're back, the show just might be on a new course from here on out. And like that balance that appealed to me before might just be gone for good.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I feel like we've definitely crossed a line. Like these past few episodes, and you can tell how quick we've gone through the episodes, and there hasn't been nearly as much as talked about, has been, you know, it's very clean cut. We're getting from A to B. We have an adventure that we're going on. There's not as much fun yeah but not not in a bad way i mean it's still it's still good but there's not like you know it's very serious like this is what we're doing we're getting home like this is there's no fluff which sometimes the, the fluff was always like some of the really fun stuff so
1: but what really worked for me was the chemistry between the various like side characters and i think not having those characters really hurt the show for me so like by focusing on enzo and andrea exclusively for eight weeks you don't get that interplay at all and it was just all angst
0: that's true you don't have as much of that relationship, but with two people, the balance is all off. And I'm I'm interested to get back. I remember a lot of what's coming up next, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious if it's still if that magic comes back, like you were saying.
1: Which is why it was such a relief for like the pirates to show up and stick around, because it's like okay, these are some familiar, fun faces that we can you know bounce off of.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And it, it helps too because Enzo is such like a grouch that and Andrea will always have that same relationship with him. Like she'll be mad at him when she needs to be, but mostly she's just gonna like try and help him through it. Yeah. Because you know, she loves him and whatever. Uh whatever, <laughs> love.
1: For for God knows why.
0: <laughs> so having those old faces I think will really help. Alphanumeric.
1: So it's time for bits and bites. Did you bring the trivia this week, Jessica?
0: I did uh again we're a little light on trivia yeah we will be having a bit more i think in upcoming episodes but uh for now we do get a reference to sailing the two seas which i thought was funny (laughs) because in real life if you don't know you sail the seven seas but since (laughs) i guess there's just the web and the net you only get the two
1: (laughs) Hmm. i didn't catch that
0: we got shiver me templates which cracked me up we get i've done questionable things from matrix which is actually a reference uh it's a line spoken by roy batty in blade runner
1: oh the 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 ending like time to die scene
0: uh no it's actually i believe yeah it's when he's talking to tyrell his his maker ah uh, okay so he's he's having that conversation with i guess for all intents and purposes his father and he mm-hmm. says i've done questionable things which you know is pretty apt for what we're seeing in this episode <laughs> Uh, This I had to find out on the Wikipedia. The first three minutes of this episode where we get to see all the partying and the drinking and the vomiting was cut from the tsunami airings because of the the drunken party overtones.
1: I could see that, yeah.
0: And then we get uh, one quick reference to Bob calling Glitch his old friend, which I can only assume is more Star Trek with... (laughs) With Spock and Kirk.
1: Didn't Zab Brannigan call him old friend too?
0: Turbo. <laughs> yes, I think he might have. But it's this show, so just err on the side of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> this is wrong. This is all wrong.
1: Well, once again, no game this week. So let's jump right into Frosty Moments.
0: All right, um, so I had a couple like little ones that I thought were fun. I like, mentioned before I really liked the little slap that Andrea gives Matrix when he's standing in the way. like that whole gag was fun, but it it felt like very much like two people that <laughs> have lived together for who knows how many years. Yeah it just felt very real. But I mean that final moment. The whole ending scene like that's got to be the frosty moment i can't think of anything else that would top that <laughs> you've got him merging with glitch and becoming a super being and glowing and opening up the portal and they're going home that, that's <laughs> that's gotta be it
1: super op and
0: a little bit of deus ex machina a little bit <laughs> but i mean at this part it's it's welcome yeah you know we're we're, we're ready for this how about
1: you? So I had a couple runners up. Yeah, that, that scene where Bob trying to look over Enzo's shoulder was funny. Uh, right in the beginning, there's two really bored-looking hula dancers, which I liked. <laughs> they
0: were really bored-looking.
1: Just kind of, like, spaced out. But my actual frosty moment is another time code one. If you go to 7 minutes and 45 seconds in, right, it's panning out from a vid window, and it looks like they forgot to animate a binome. He's, like, mid-pose, wearing a suit, like, almost in mid-walk. And, like, he's just motionless. Like, they put him there to do something in the background and just ran out of time. So now he's just an awkward-looking statue.
0: Oh, oh, I did read this on the wiki. But it's Hugh Branch from, uh, the guy that makes all the, the fun toys, the exploding toilets and the...
1: Yeah. What's he doing there, and why isn't he moving? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> did they accidentally get rendered in the shot? <laughs>
0: I doubt you could accidentally render him. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff.
1: And then I was like, is he listening? Like, does he have his ear to the wall? I couldn't quite tell, but it's like, there was, it was, it's just such an odd, like, still, like, nothing <laughs> that's happening.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. There's our frosty moments for today.
1: <laughs> so what do we have for our feedback this week?
0: All right. So as usual, I put out a call on Twitter and Facebook to see if anyone had anything they wanted to talk about for this episode. I also put up a meme. It's a dank meme. Go check it out.
1: <laughs> it's one of the dankest.
0: <laughs> uh, we got a brycotic, I apologize if I said that wrong, on Twitter says, this is where Ian Corlett's Bob voice really hit me. He still felt familiar, but less of a veneer impression. And it worked so well because the character was different. The performance alone nicely sold that the character had been through a lot and has grown and changed. I really agree with him here.
1: Yeah, I think this was the one where I really noticed the difference in the voice, too.
0: And it's at this point where it makes sense. Like, I mean, I think it's made sense in every incarnation so far. Because Ian Corlett has done the Rob voice, which obviously would be slightly different than Bob because he's not actually Bob. Right. Uh, he's done the fake Bob voice from Matrix's head, which would make <laughs> sense because he's kind of this remembered version of Bob, not a real version. Uh, and it makes sense here, but it works really well because this is Bob however many years down the line after having gone through hell and back just to survive. So if he sounds like he's got more gravitas now, he sounds like he's, he's been through some stuff, which is understandable.
1: Kimura on Twitter also really liked the callback to Mouse saying that she hacked the web and did stuff to protect mainframe. Didn't really protect the city from the web, as far as we know, but did make it harder for the heroes to get back.
0: (laughs) Nolan Hayes, at It's My Delorean on Twitter, says, In this ep, Bob, in a way, ascends to become a higher being, showing evidence of godlike powers. This shares some themes with other figures, such as Neo from the Matrix. What are your thoughts on this as a plot device? Can you think of other examples?
1: I don't want to think of other examples, but
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean there's a million examples. I mean they have the day you're six mocking a trope for a reason. There's there's a ton of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, as for my thoughts as a plot device, I think it works in certain scenarios. When you're going for the emotion more than the, you know, technical stuff. The logic. Yeah. I think it really works, which it does in this episode. This episode is all about going home and at this point you're just like, Oh yes, Bob, please. Take us home, like, like bring us back to mainframe, and you know the voiceover and everything. I think it works really well. Uh, there's a similar kind of moment in Buffy at the end of season seven. Spoilers for the very end of Buffy, um, <laughs> where she shares her Slayer powers with everyone, and uh, like all these women become like superpowered. And, I mean, it's like so the the plot behind it is ridiculous. Like, there's no reason they just pull this crap out of their butts, <laughs> but I still cry every time. (laughs) Every time there's like this little girl that like was all scared up at home plate. She's like got her bat and she's ready to hit. And she's so terrified. And like the Slayer powers hit and she gets this like grin on her face. And I'm just like, oh my God, now I'm in the corner crying.
1: Yeah, I think it really depends on the genre and then, like, if it's earned or if it just comes like looks like it's being pulled out of someone's ass, you know?
0: I think Lost is my go to for this. I don't think they had a kind of Deus Ex Machina moment quite like this does, but when you have a thing that's driven around mystery and you don't solve that mystery, that to me is very frustrating. So that's not what this show is about. The show is about these people and getting these people from A to B. So the fact that they got from A to B solves that you know (laughs) so i also asked if anyone would eat a (laughs) webworm and uh daniel barrett on facebook says if eating one meant the web writers would help me sure that would probably be an uncomfortable experience (laughs) would you eat a webworm ben
1: oh god
0: this is this is obviously a tough question for you (laughs) (laughs) well i'm
1: trying to think like i don't want to say no absolutely not but I might do it once just to try it. (laughs) But my gag reflex is something that like, you know, will probably mean I might throw it right back up.
0: (laughs) I don't know if I could eat something that was wriggling. Maybe I could. I just was thinking to myself, I couldn't. And then I was thinking I would probably eat maybe not live, but like a limb of a squid or octopus that was still wriggling. So maybe I would, I don't know. It's there's a very fine line. Like if it was legitimately wormish, Yeah. I don't think I could do it. (laughs) I think the closest I've gotten is um, when I visited the Philippines uh, last year. Philippines, by the way, fantastic food. Mm. One of the things that I had over there was uh, this rice with little sardines in it. And here in America, you know all the sardines would not look like sardines anymore because they don't want you to look like you're eating a whole fish. Uh, (laughs) But in the Philippines, they don't care because they're not as stuck up as us. And (laughs) <laughs> this plate of rice is coming to me and i'm like why does it look like the rice is looking at me <laughs> it's because there's all these little tiny eyeballs in it oh and little goodness. tiny fish <laughs> uh. <I don't> <laughs> the rice was delicious it was amazing but i had to like not look at it <laughs> i had to make myself be like jessica you can do this you're an adult <laughs> you can eat your rice so that was probably the closest i've come to war meeting
1: we got a uh Nice uh, iTunes review from a listener named Red Sleeves. So, uh, thank you, Red.
0: Ooh, awesome. What did it say?
1: Oh, i cut this. It, says, uh, it had been a long time since I had watched Reboot, and when I discovered this podcast, it got me so excited about the show, I had to go back and watch it all over again. I love this podcast.
0: Aw, thank you, Red. That's so nice. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. Do you have any recommendations this week, Ben?
1: Uh, this week, I would recommend... I'm not much of a hot coffee guy. I'm usually a cold brew all year round kind of guy. But one of my few solaces during the cold winter months is uh, a chili mocha coffee. And this is something that I discovered when they limited released at Starbucks a couple years ago, and then they stopped offering it. So I decided I had to figure out how to make it myself. And so I'm going to give you the recipe. It's very simple.
0: Ooh, (laughs) look at you.
1: Yeah. So you take a third cup of granulated sugar a third cup of unsweetened cocoa powder, a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a teaspoon of ancho chili powder, and a pinch of cayenne pepper. You mix that all together, and it's going to make more than you put that in a jar, basically. (laughs) Um, But you take, you know, like a tablespoon of that, mix it in with your coffee, or you can um, add it in when you're frothing some milk, if you're going to make a latte. Heat it up, put the spices in, and then froth it. That's awesome, too. But it makes a nice, like, heat... Like a little spicy alternative to the pumpkin spice latte.
0: Mmm, interesting. Well, I am not a coffee fan, unfortunately, but that does sound good. I like the spicy with the sweet. That's always good. Uh, as for me, I am going to recommend a comic. It's been a while, so I wanted to get back on the comic scene here. Um, I'm going to recommend a comic called Lake of Fire. It's a, a one-shot like graphic novel, uh, so you don't have to worry about you know, getting a bunch of different issues and stuff. It's really interesting. The author is Nathan Fairbairn. Sorry, Nathan Fairbairn. It's F A I R B A I R N. The artist is Matt Smith, uh, not to be confused with the doctor.
1: <laughs>
0: the art is amazing. It's set in one of the Crusades, and a alien ship lands, and this you're dealing with an old weathered Templar guy and kind of a younger newer Templar guy. Uh, you learn a lot about this particular crusade of which I knew nothing. Like I assumed a lot of the crusades was specifically with Europe and Middle East at the time. And this one was all about this one particular sect within Europe. So they were kind of like going, you know, it's bad enough to go to a different country and slaughter a bunch of people. They were just slaughtering people like inside of their country. <laughs> uh, it was really interesting. And they find this this Crashed alien spaceship, and you know, they they think assume it's like demons and stuff. Because what else would it be? They don't have any concept of like aliens. It's a really interesting story. The art is absolutely gorgeous. I have some of Matt Smith's art on my wall because he's a really good artist. You should follow him if you're into art. I would give it a shot. Lake of Fire. So what are we
1: looking at next week?
0: Next week we'll be watching Megaframe. We're back home in Mainframe, but not everything is quite as it used to be.
1: All right. Well, as always, you can find us online at Incoming Game Pod on Twitter, where we always uh, will tweet out and look for your feedback. Uh, same with Incoming Game Cast on Facebook. And you can always uh, check us out at IncomingGameCast.com. I'm at Dudworks on the various social media, D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S.
0: I'm at Stirvino Lady. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady.
1: Our theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. And our intro this week was written by Cameron O'Hara as part of his Patreon rewards. And what are we doing this week?
0: (laughs) We could just do the Mousetrap game. It's a game of 80
1: action, a crazy contraption, the phone is catching its mousetrap. (laughs)
0: Like how you know the song, I was going to YouTube it. you already know it all it's great i love it
1: how are we gonna segue into that though (laughs) no
0: it's just that you're not even gonna just don't just that that is that is the end stay frosty
1: folks game over A user wins